Good evening, afternoon, morning, whatever applies to you. And welcome to another EuroLeague. Uh, kind of looks like G2 are clearly going to walk away with EU, but we're going to sit here and pretend that there are other eventualities, potentially. So, yeah. Uh, I am joined, as always, by Mr. Kira. And, of course, good friend of the show, Mr. Buayaku Kuchiki. I've not heard of that one. Apparently, they're from I, Bleach. Have... I don't know if oh, that's... Oh, that's a show I kind of skipped in, like, my anime kind of logs. That's the one I missed out of the big four shonen way back when. Damn. It's, uh, I'll it's... take your word for it, though. Uh, it's, I think it's a pretty good likeness. Rex was, like, me trying, trying to say an LPL player's name. That yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was a good one. Thank you for that, Rex. It's another one for me to add to the list. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. I learn so much about myself when I come on these shows. And all the two weebs that watch the show punching their screens right now. All good. That's all I ever wanted in the first place. So mission complete. Uh, as always, gentlemen, before we talk about anything League of Legends, actually, I tell a lie because I've switched my Would You Rather strategy to esports specific questions. So this week, again, yes, that's right, Kira. I've got another one for you. And it, is, it goes as follows. Would you rather that El Yoya joins Koi at the end of this season or Larson goes to mad. Can I just say, I was like 90% sure this is going to be a question about Ebby, so I'm really glad it's not. Oh, don't you worry, <laughs> Sunshine. Ebby will Is that coming come later? Up. Yeah, okay, don't, cool. We'll get to that. Don't worry about that. So yeah, Kira, hit me. Would you rather... Oh, that's a good one. That's your best one yet. That is genuinely your best one yet. Oh, so gracious, King. That, give me, give me the, bet, the, the problem is, is, okay, we know that like... So we're taking the teams as an isolation, as in, like, I have to take it that, like, Advin is going to continue to play even though he's on a one-year. Yeah. yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay? We'll, we'll take it at that. Right. So I can't get rid of Advin and get someone human. So it most likely is the Koi team. So a lawyer on Koi. Because there is a... The comp... Is it? Oh, this is so hard. So this is most likely not best... What would be better, one of these two things happening. Because that's a very different question. You need because... to go first. You need to go first. Then. Yeah. I'm so, stuck. so what do you want we... to see, Mister Kuchiki? <laughs> what do I want to see? Yeah. Which one? In terms of what do I think is more? Because the question is, if if it's more likely, the question is more about will an org bend to particularly Elioia, and because Elioia demands quite a lot of say in rosters, from what I've heard, or rather, he wants to have that kind of kind of influence. Oh. So. And you know what? I think Koi might. I think Koi might explode that roster if it doesn't do well. I think it's probably more likely that Elio moves. Honestly, I, I than, think than the Koi lineup's better. I think. It's, I, I, and in terms of that's the problem, right? Because I think this is um, a question about who is more likely to fit in. Because it's about jungler and laners, right, working together. Larson is not really likely to support their jungle, and Elio needs to have laners that support him. So the question is, if Larson moved to Mad Lions. Would that be a team which would be more likely to support Larson's stay in lane, become relevant well, after the first team? And I don't think that's very likely. Yeah. Then you go to Koi, and you think, They're... are those laners going to play for Elio? Considering they've been playing this entire era with Malarang, who is the person who just does everything by himself, for better and for worse. It worked really well last year to an extent. Mm. And then this year, it's not really worked as well because the laners haven't I really done wonder as much why that. that. Happened. <laughs> Crazy, right? I, I'm gonna say I would rather have Alyoya in Koi, but I don't think either move is good. 
Oh, I see. I actually think there is a version. There are good versions of both teams, but I think that that the, there is less downside. Like I do not think Chasey should be in like a top league. Like I think Chasey is just a, a terrible player, right? I think he is just genuinely. He's like, definitely awful, saved right? by the fact that EU top lane is not good right now. Yeah, and also he's saved by the fact that he plays with a lawyer. And I think. As much as I don't think of Zugenda as like that great a player and that good, great like a character. He's solid. Yeah, I think he's 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 much better and deserving of those things. And mm. I basically think with a lawyer on the team, you have a version of Koi that is like the inspired um lineups of uh Rogue. Maybe mm. not the exact same, but it could be emulated closer to that. And those were pretty good teams. Well, so I think there's just so many variables inside like, Mad Lions. I'll say, Mad Lion, I, I think the best jungler that could... If Elio would leave in this kind of hypothetical scenario, the best jungler they could get is Bo, though. Because they are the team that play for their jungle, and Bo is the kind of player you want in there. So it's like a tertiary point to add on to that. If this kind of weird explosion happens, I would put Bo in Mad Lions. Bo would be, like, the first player to ever get, like, another go. Like, playing from yeah. the point of, like, playing like he did. Yeah. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, I'm just saying... But, I mean, he's, he's still in Berlin. He's, he's still here, he's still in Berlin. <laughs> like, they, you can just stick ever. around more. Making cooking videos, as far as I can see. So, you know, his talent <laughs> has not been wasted, folks. So, there you go. I think... Mm, I think it's a, really, it a really difficult one, because if you're going to be, like, super fucking plebeian base level take, it's basically how bad is Abbeyan versus how bad is Chasey. And Chasey's then, like, watch. Right, but it's 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 a. I mean, it's a tricky one because on paper, I feel like the mad situation would be slightly better because, in theory, especially in Europe, top is like the most relevant role, and then you've got Elioia jungle, Larson mid, Kazi, who's had very good periods this season, and Hillisang, who's had good periods this season, and look more like old Hilly. So then, if you get lucky with support meta, then for sure, like I take mad. But then, of course, you've got Chase running in top lane. Larson does not play like. Karzi's, like, tempo of, like, backline and, like, team fight. Larson is the ultimate, like, slow role player. He likes to, like, bait out, like, abilities yeah. and then, like, play out from, like, an, an abil- a secured ability hold advantage. Whereas, like, Karzi likes to, like, front roll and, like, fast roll team fights and win them really, really quickly. I don't... I think there's going to be conflict so- there are two points in this, one of which is a pet peeve, because if you're talking about Larson being a slow roll team fight kind of player, why the... Does he play Ari the way he does? Because if he's going to play that, and this is my own personal pet peeve, and he's going to play like this stupid Everfrost style where he doesn't play that style, you could actually play the Nisky style and play Leandries and do whatever. But every time I see him on this champion, which they keep prioritizing for some reason, I don't think Larson knows his own style and tells that to his drafting coach to say, I need something that plays fights slower or at least kind of facilitate that. And on the other side of things, in terms of the Kazi being a lot faster paced, I think that's a lot, that's very indicative of his personality too. And it says something a little bit about players like, I mean, Hilly less so, but say someone like Advian on the other side of it. One of the reasons I think that Advian and Kaiser too fits into this um, is because there are very few vocal supports in EU. The only vocal support in EU kind of is Trimby. Kazi makes up for this because he's the most loud AD carry you're going to have on any team in Europe. So I think someone like Advian looks worse because you're playing with someone, you know, like Comp is, you know, a little bit more reserved and he's a bit more reserved as Advian as well. So like you've got to take into account how like AD carry kind of 
is more loud than support in Europe for weird reasons too. I would throw in one small little uh, side point there, which just because I think we'll talk about him later anyway. I will yeah. give a, a mini shout out to Mr. Limit from a comms perspective. I think Limit's comms oh, are actually, uh, yeah, okay. actually underrated. Um, but yeah, the real answer to this question, guys, is uh, secret option number C, which is Larson goes to BDS. That's what I would like to Oh, see. that would be yeah, great, you know? A five That's a great point. Contract. I like that call. I like that call. I, 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 would not subject, I would not subject Larson to Adam. Even though I like Adam as a player, that is just... That's oh, I think that'd be, like, it's kind, I mean, yeah, it kind of, I guess, in a far less extreme version, he's shown that he does better with the Oddo archetype as his other solo laner than the sort of more carry-centric, resource-centric uh, top laner, but whatever. I'd still want to see that. I think that'd be a fire lineup. I think that'd be awesome. And my Although, option D is both of Mad Lions instead, so... <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, I actually think Nuke's been pretty good this year. Um, well, it depends on your perspective, right? Wait, like, what? I mean, Nuke we're, just, been... we're not letting us man away with us. Come on. I, I mean, I don't nice. think Nuke. I, I, I think Nuke is middle of the pack. Like, yeah. I don't think he's. I don't, he's not going to lose you games individually the way that some mid laners might do. Um, I think he's fairly stable. I like the fact that he has like champs like Cassiopeia in his champion pool. When like they just grouped multiple numbers advantages around mid, and he was never generating his own advantage. Like if players aren't generating their own independent advantage, like the the games where he generates his own independent advantage are the games where he plays like Cassio. If you're not generating like like in like fifty fifty to like winning matchups, if you're not generating like. Push, like winning advantage. I, I instantly question I mean, what you're doing in a top league, and particularly if you're on. Whoa, like a whoa, top whoa, team. whoa! But look at it. Look at it like this way, right? Which and I would just put like mid laners. He's been better than in LEC, right? This split perks easily nuke in my opinion. That's not hard. VTO nuke. Um, mm, no, so, yes, 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 yes. No, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not, okay, we are talking about this later because I have a bone to pick on this point as well. Yeah. I'll save it for the like when we get talking about heretics, but I think, yeah, Nuke is middle of the pack, yeah, Certus, like, he's, he's been better than, 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 better than Certus, better not than Abadage, not hard, yep, yeah, I know, should not they, hard, should, but, thing, but when you say it's not hard to look good in your EU as a middle right now, which is why Nuke's fine, yeah, but if you say if you say he's not in the league, the point is there's an assembly line of other people who have to drop out first because Nuke has not been bad, you know, um, like he's been fine, yeah, I, I think he, I think he's, yeah, yeah, but I, I, I don't, I, that mean, being fine or being average in a context of a weak field does not ascertain that like you're like good enough to be playing in like a tier one, okay, league. yeah, in terms of absolute level, Nuke is not that great, but EU's yeah. mid lane has probably been his worst point, it's yeah. been his worst point, yeah, so it's worst it's ever been, been and as a good. And is it going to be like that forever? Well, for the, the only two time roles you're where invest into Nuk? the only two roles that you can't say that about is probably jungle and AD carry. They're the two roles I'm like, yeah, we yeah, still have some yeah, pretty yeah. Good, good stuff there. On an international comparison, top mid support are all shaky. So, no, definitely. Uh, right, cool. So let's first talk about, I guess, what was like the biggest surprise of last week's games. Uh, even though SK is undefeated against Fnatic this year, I do think most people still heavily favoured. Fnatic in that matchup. So my first question to you, Nightmare, is very simple, which is, what happened to Fnatic? Is it just like a weird kryptonite matchup, or did we see something in this series which maybe shows that Fnatic aren't that hot? I don't know if someone in SK is in, like, Razork's head, but if Fnatic don't have Razork playing really well, yeah. we can see what happens to this team. 
the reason why Fnatic looked good, in my opinion, is because Razork was playing well, and it looked like he was in the heads of other people. Against SK, it's just not working the same way. So I think Razork underperforming for me was a probably the biggest factor. And that's not necessarily that Razork was like completely ass or whatever, but like I feel like Fnatic, we've known this kind of for the whole year, is they are very Razork-centric, right? And if he's not doing well, they don't look like nearly the same team. So for me, that's like the first thing that I look to. What do you think, Kira? Like when it comes to this matchup, I mean, when you oh. when you, when this game was about to start, did you have Fnatic as heavy favorites, oh, or, or did you I had think? Them as, I, so the problem is, is like and this is like a thing. I had them as like heavy favorites, okay? Because certain things happened in the matchup that like I don't think you could have really ascertain for. But one of them was I did not think the level Razor was playing at was like he would keep playing at that level because like what he was doing, it was like complete jungling. It was the be some of the best jungling we had seen from a player like all year, and it just didn't look like it could be consistent. Like if you put gun to my head, like told me is Razor gonna keep playing like this in playoffs? I say most likely not, right? Okay, because the what he was doing was like unbelievable, and the advantages he was creating. I even said that I said it multiple times, even in losing games against like G two, where he's playing Vago, he burns like all three yeah. flashes and all the lanes by mm -hmm. eight minutes, and if uh, Trimby hits a bubble on Nami, he gets a double kill bottom. Like that is the level. That, that's a bad game. That Like, that's the bad early game for, like, Razorg, right? But that is just not... Like, you cannot... That cannot be the standard you hold a player to. The big blowout, the thing that created the insurmountable advantage was Oscar Innan versus Irrelevant. I get told Irrelevant is, like, a certain player. He's, like, yeah, he has great understanding of, like, weak side, okay? And in certain, like, when he is weak side, he has good understanding. But he is actually more a dedicated, like, carry player, like, quite heavy resources. Particularly in terms of draft, not so much in terms of uh, map states. And he fucking fisted Oscar in it. Oscar in it looked like an absolute bomb. Didn't Irrelevant have the most solo kills of any player last year in the early yeah, year? Or was it just top laner? Like, no, is... it, might, it might have had the most solo kills, but, like, mate, like, fucking, lo there's been loads of players that have had, like, huge amounts of fucking... Mm. Uh, solo kills and it didn't really mean anything. It like tells you something about a player. But all I'm saying is like irrelevant blasted Oscar in and off the face of the planet. Like, see how well irrelevant was pushing those advantages. He wasn't just getting like small eight hundred, like a couple of hundred gold leads. I'm talking there was like big one thousand, multiple turrets, having to pull multiple threats to side. It was nuts how well he was playing. And then the draft priority for Fnatic wasn't there. Like, Humanoid thought, well, let's play two of their games. A bit suspect, in my opinion. Can he really push, punish Certus' Akali that much? And then, obviously, the one that everyone's talking about all the time, because it's the fucking Christmas tree uh, up in the middle of spring, Trimby on Engage. Because it's no longer Enchanted Meta, and so the minute Trimby's on Engage, it's time to, you know, get out the pitchforks and all that, and talk about, can Trimby play these types of champions? And... I don't know, when your t lanes are losing really badly, Engage looks like ass. That's my general feel. When you're, like, behind, like, Engage just look, sometimes just looks worse and worse and worse. And um, you can look you're, like you're, you're a good litmus test for how the team's doing, yeah. Because if, you, if you're if you behind, you make an Engage that fails, which is more likely because you're behind, yeah. your support is going to show up in that more. It's the Nautilus phenomenon, right? Yeah, the Nautilus um, phenomenon, yeah. But, well, this oh. is also like this again kind of like originates from the Razzle thing for me, where if Razzle's behind, then you doesn't combo up with Trimby, and then both of them look bad. So, yeah. I think Cetus and Irrelevant had massive pop off games. I also, think to give credit to him, Markun last week into this playoffs completely turned around his like perspective on the career. He was basically the player that SK he should have been for SK for much longer. Um, 
like very very good jungle and he like with, i would say on the average it was better than Razork. had much better like ideas on like how to play the map and a uh, track uh, Razork around the map on that note with the markin thing so markin's one of the players i speak to the most out of lec because he, he hangs out outside of lec a bit more like after the games are done on monday and stuff like that and I can definitely say from like early weeks, he was like really like struggling in, in terms of how the hell do we fix this team kind of thing. Because SK were really struggling at that point, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think it speaks a lot to the mental fortitude and kind of like his force of character as well to come back from that kind of early kind of split. So for him to come back and again, like get the better of the jungle matchup, I'm not going to say that it's all him because let's be honest, it's the way that you play as a team that kind of upsets the enemy jungler. That was a huge factor in how SK found their form, like you were saying. Yeah, I mean, it, everyone was saying it's SK plus one for who's going to miss the uh, GSL at the at the start of the regular season. Yeah, which is easy I, to I'm forget. just I'm happy to see them biting back. By the way, like the of like all the games like I've watched this like of all the games like I I watched of SK. Obviously, they were good in the first. They were like good in the first winter, um, like season. But like I, I actually just kind of like respect the fact that like they actually just played out like a very consistent winning strategy and it looked like they actually had like a real dedicated like game plan uh particularly with like the bands uh i think is it game uh, one or two it's like the five top lane but it's like the five top lane bands i think it's game two one second let me check uh yeah, yeah game two game, yeah game two FC well, gaming four. sorry four they banned jace rumble malkai nar uh, um, this is what I'm talking about. Irrelevant gets like a lot of like draft resources, but basically it secures them this amazing Gwen matchup. But it wins the game. Like it, like it, it contributes heavily to winning the game. So like, yeah, it's like well done. Like congratulations. Like you took the big risk. Like you identified the Achilles heel, the weakness, and you found that because if they had committed all those drafts and Noah was solo winning the game through bot lane, everyone would be saying SK's coaching staff are idiots. Because they didn't ban like ADCs. No, that, that's what they would be saying. Like they would, but like, but actually produce results. They identified like an actual witness, something that produces a meaningful value in the game. I think that's good. By the way, a fun little stat that I noticed they popped up on LEC, which even to me, as you know, obviously number one super fan, etc., I did find pretty surprising. But kind of to your point, Kira, of like the solo kill thing, is I believe that flashed up that Otto either had the second or third most solo kills in European history. Which, if you take his, like, not even recent reputation, but basically the reputation he's had as a player for, like, the last six years has been, he is a weak side player. It is kind of nuts that, you know... It, it, I just but, think, in such a long lane, you do see a remarkable amount of, like, these... I don't want to say clumsy solo kills, but it's like, a small mistake can be punished so heavily because of how long the lane is. You basically just have a further escape. And it's more likely to be melee versus melee as well, which yeah. also, again, adds but, he, yeah. th There's two things about, like... Odo, and this is just to give context. First of all, Odo has obviously played an extremely long yeah, period of, course, of time. Yeah. Second of all, Odo also played in like a like in a region that where top lane across the average of his career, he also played against other dedicated like weak side like players. You know what I mean? Like majority of the top laners in EU were also weak side. So like yeah, you got a, like a, yeah. you, you got a funneled environment that like suited him because he's on average a much higher skilled player than like his opponent. It's more it's more it's to me it's less about Otto and more about the how like the the sort of instinctual optic of how we view lanes and if you were to ask like the average fan like who would have the most they'll probably pick three mid laners, you know? 
because that's like the perception is, oh, they're always dueling, blah, blah, blah. But actually, no, because of yeah. how long top lane is. Caps, caps, all duel. <laughs> and, and also, like, like the art of the solo kill in mid lane has died since about yes. Season 8. Like, Season 9, well, still a little bit in Season 9, but, like, since Rune's Free Forge came in in Season 8 and then, like, past that point, since Lost Chapter has been a much more prevalent item as well, everyone's taking Teleport in mid lane because it's just way better than Combat Summoners because Riot didn't want Combat Summoners to be absolutely, like, bludgeoning you over the head every minute and a half. Um, Solar kills in mid lane, it's one, as a mid laner myself, it's one of the things which frustrates me the most because, and this happened in top lane too, attritional gameplay either through wave states or like mana trades as well when you're trying to chunk down mana, they basically don't exist anymore, which is actually something that Odo was really good at on stuff like Maokai, um, way back in like, you know, season six and whatever, who was really good at like playing the mana battle against other um, like mana um, uh, problematic champions in top lane. So that used to be stuff like Cho'Gath, Nautilus and Poppy when they were up there as well. He'd play Maokai and so he'd absolutely body them because he had that understanding of that lane. Nowadays, it's like you make a mistake. Oh, I've got to blow a teleport back to lane. Oh no, it's not the same as a solo kill, you know, so. Yeah. By, by the way, I, I'm going to make a prediction now. This will be years in the future. So obviously a lot of things have to go right. That, you know, takes a lot of assumptions. But the player who will retire with the most solo kills of all time will be Adam. Like, I think that's a pretty... If, he's, if his career is long, I think that's a very safe bet. What? Yeah. This isn't globally, right? This has no, to be no, 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 no. Right? in the in Europe, in Europe. Oh, so like, right. oh, no, 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 no. That's a very open statement. Oh no, 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 no. Oh, like, right. averaging fifty a year. No, 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 no. Well, no. So there, there was a so there's a guy in Vietnam, a guy called Dear One, who has oh, yeah. the globe the global record for solo kills in a split. He had like fifty solo kills in one split. Everyone's like, oh, it's night in LPL. It's like, no, this guy like his first split was like VCS twenty one spring or whatever like absolutely bodied fools they had like 50 in one split absolutely nuts yeah i yeah. mean the, the, obviously you know the the main reason now that i think about it why adam probably won't is because we play less games so unless yes. well kind of if he's on like a, a successful team that does deep runs i'm not actually sure how the maths works out but maybe he could in theoretic theoretically play well but then you games. have but you still have less games against the struggling teams yeah because you're not true. playing best three of the struggling teams which are where you're more likely to pick up solo kills yeah, so if, it, if it was it, it's, it has yeah. some merit i agree because he merit he he has typically picked into annoying 1v1 matchups which take over the game with one kill so they snowball a lot more than anyone else does in, in top lane anyway in europe yeah right so let's talk about their matchup then which is obviously going to be about uh be against rather mad lions um who lost uh 2-0 to the oh. uh well meteoric rising xl esports la 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 uh so they face off um yeah what do you guys think where where on balance do you think this one goes i mean it's kind of a a tricky one obviously because both teams sort of prior to playoffs beginning even though people forget mad were on a horrific run before the start of gsl uh most people still had them picked over xl i think they were had the odds makers favorites uh before the game as well like where, where do you see this one kira fanatic versus mad what what do you expect to happen here so i think mad showed like better form uh how quickly can Fnatic make like adaptations that like, matter. Um, I'm quite scared for Fnatic's bot lane. Uh, I don't think they actually play out many winning situations that well. They're pretty passive. Um, I'm not. I think that I even said that like really like I'm not like bold take where like I actually think like flat Mercer Mercer like play out like as an actual bot lane of like comparative skills are like better than like um. Not uh, a Yeah, no a Trimbe. Um. I got to like just glide on piss ice for that one. Uh, 
But by the I way, but, think it, yeah, but sorry, sorry, before you move on from, from that point, though, I just want to like make this. I talked about it a tiny bit on Twitter, but is it just me or does Noah like <laughs> bail on fights like super early? Yeah, uh, I, I went back and watched it because I was like, in real time, I was like, mm, I really feel like this guy is just like flashing the wall the millisecond like one of his teammates goes below half HP. And I was like, I'll wait and I'll rewatch like the key fighters again. That motherfucker is out of there. As soon as he can see in his head, I guess, that the writing's on the wall, he is protecting that KDA. Like, is that just me? Or do you guys do you buy into that at all as a thing? I think it's a symptom. I think it's a symptom. I think it's a symptom of something else where um, if you consider, I mean, obviously I'm watching a lot more LPL now and we have some really, really good AD carries. And the way you get away with that in the LPL is by positioning at a point where you know even if you are forced to flash, you can still damage. I think Noah hasn't got that part of his gameplay yet, where he's like, he, do he doesn't have a position where he knows he has like a second like fallback point in a fight to be like, okay, I can flash my yeah. 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 And yeah. which is why, like, I think, I mean, if, if Noah gets onto something like Zaya, I think he's going to be an incredible player in a lot of different games because that allows you to have an extra tool to yeah. play these pool fights. Not many AD carries have a secondary peel tool right now, which is. A whole fact of the matter. I mean, you occasionally see some Ezreal coming through, but Ezreal, if you ever make a single mistake, the fight and the game is just over. But you don't have that many um, higher mobility AD carries or higher peel AD carries. So, like, I'd very much like to see Fnatic playing more towards that and giving Noah some extra tools to play out the way which he wants to play, which is a little bit more respectful, but uh, and allows him to maybe correct that positioning mistake to allow him, even if there is the instigation of the fight where he gets in a bit, a bit of an awkward position, he can still do some damage afterwards. So. I don't necessarily know if it's a KDA thing. I think it's a mistake in positioning, which then stops him being able to do optimal team fight damage. I think he is just overly conservative. Like, there's Maybe. lots of players that are overly conservative, and, and it's like you, it, it's like a can be a terrible trait depending on like game state. You know, upset, overly conservative. Um, there are versions of reckless that are overly conservative. Um, Noah, overly conservative. Do you think, Kira, that yeah. um, with these kinds of players that you're talking about, do you think it makes sense, even if you take like a stat hit, to just like give them gale force like eighty percent of their games? As an example, like no, no it, like you have to basically can these players need to learn the thing that like ruler learned, or they need to learn the things that like death learned. They need to learn the things like the, like, and these are the people that were like they were like highly skilled, and then they like had a transcendent level. Because what they learned is there, you there are versions of fights, and you have to be able to read these on the fly. And it's what makes ADC like this elite role, where you must risk like everything at this specific fight and use all your cooldowns this one time, and it gives you the highest percentage chance of winning. And you like might fumble the bag and you might fuck everything up, but there is only this version of the fight, and like you, it, it's only here that like you can actually like grab the game back and start like redeeming it. The problem well, is, sorry, no, so, so that's a really good point because, again, that's the thing you should compare to, you know, like a good AD carry and then like the best AD carries or bot lanes in the world where we yeah. saw particularly around like, I don't know, season 9, season 10 probably where we saw a lot more people even in like what... I remember it was so strange when people were talking about how in 2v2s when we saw like Clarista Renata lanes coming out, stuff like that, AD carries would flash over the first CC and they wouldn't just like flash out at the end of the trade. And so it's like, you're using a combat summoner to get HP advantage rather than getting the actual kill because it's not as much, you know, dopamine of getting the kill at that moment. I think that's the kind of the killer instinct, right? Seeing a step forward and saying, if I do, if I flash now or I gale force now or whatever, then that's a one fight in like 30 seconds time or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like a player that has like the, like, the best understanding of this in like Europe, um, it's like Karzy, 
but you obviously yeah, see yeah, how I agree with that, the actually, problem yeah. is it's like the problem is it's cards it doesn't have like deaths and rulers like very crisp like execution it all of this also doesn't have like uh, uh ruler and death like what very even strict... Sorry, anyway. and, and even the even like the quadra kill he got on Ophelios or whatever against koi or whatever it was like yeah. you go look back at that play and he plays it well don't get me wrong but the enemy team also did like That's stack up both the solo yeah. laners to get yes. knocked over at the same time. So yeah. it's like he definitely has the eye for the play, but it's not. There is there is a lot of mitigating circumstances yeah. there. Yeah, and, and and it's also like the fact of like you know like lots of like people right now and a big worry of ADCs is like summoner economy. Like what fight you use your summoners on, and this has been like a thing since like last year. It was really highlighted in twenty twenty two LPL playoff summer. Obviously, it's a concept that's been understood, but it's getting like hyper like dimed on. Um, so to like, oh sorry, I completely forgot your question there, Rich. Um, I mean, yes, who's who? Who do you fancy on this matchup? Oh sorry, so like the thing here, that Mad Lions showed are are like showed being a better team. I think Fnatic were an absolute mess. But the thing, I don't think Chase is going to get those independent advantages that he did versus Oscar Allen. Saying that, I didn't think Irrelevant would get them, but you know what I mean. Uh, Mad Li the other thing is, Mad Lions decided to die on the Give Odo Rumble twice hill. <laughs> well, yeah, that was weird. Strange, that was really strange weird. Strange hill to die on, considering, like, I don't know, like, at the very start of the year, I did warn about this. Like, th this is the version of, like, Odo that I did want to see. As that, like, I told them, be Shanji, play Rumble, <laughs> drop drop ults on ADC's heads and watch yeah. them scream for help. Like, yep. it's pretty obnoxious what, like, certain these certain champions can do. By um, the way, there's a very small point as well, because people were go. saying, like, when they flashed up the damage stuff, like, oh, but he's playing Rumble. Those are not normal numbers. Like, I know he's playing Rumble. Those were ridiculous numbers. Like, well, he is hitting enough, four people every fucking ult. Last, last, last spring this happened as well, where Odo got a Rumble game, and I think he had something like... The second highest damage. He's no. He's like the only player in top lane to have two or more games with a thousand DPM plus, like in the LEC history. Something like that. He, there was a stat like that where he had like two like thousand DPM games plus, and it's like that's quite hard to do. Yeah, you mm. can definitely have compositions where it's more likely, but like he's definitely overperforming when he's given the yeah. opportunity to do damage. So there, there's three big points I want to hit. First of all, Chasey's level of play that series was fucking oh appalling God. for a player. Fuck Chasey, by the way, right? I am be that is some of the worst arm gameplay I have ever seen from anyone in the LSE. It was utterly appalling. That the whole idea of like that that being the standard, that was a disgrace. If Chasey plays like that, I'll bet on Fnatic all day. Like I think he'll play better than that. I don't think Chasey plays that bad all the time. Even though I think he's a bad player, he doesn't play that bad all the time. That was appalling. Second of all, I think the first ten minutes of the game, Aloya is still one of the best players in Europe, right? Yeah. But my god has he gotten fucking shit at skirmishes and team fighting that um game where he's poppy and he's standing on the he sees them on the ward and he's standing on the wrong side of the wall as poppy to to not stop the rail entering with flash over the wall that is a rookie mistake that is not understanding team fight shape that is not understanding engage angles that is being lazy that is being like just letting the ball slip and a player of a lawyer standard like i, I can imagine it, like he's not gonna say that but like me berate like someone berating him like it, like it, you can't do that because that they got that game back in their hand and they instantly like just gave it away and they gave it away in such like a big way and the third one the person I would actually like to have props to even though I bang on them all the time uh, Niske had a massive game like a huge yeah. game yeah. his laning is still so fucking <clears throat> suspect however but 
his he was on his hands and fucking knees trying to carry that game on LeBlanc and Jace. And if they had given him on the Jace game in particular, because the LeBlanc game did look uncarryable, like it, he was pumping out as much damage as was possible. I don't think he could have squeezed any more out of that game. But on the Jays game, if his team hadn't thrown against Peach at that like dragon fight and had just allowed this, the Jace poke and the like the Jace poke to like build up, like they had like a fucking a little island they could keep like Jace on. And apart from Rumble Alt, they could have just kept people safe, gotten good engages with Orn, good disengages with Rakan. They could have played out the game with the Poppy, but no, they flipped the game yep. like fucking dickheads. They, 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 they lost the 5v4 because Abadaga, I refused to, just to like, acknowledge that he existed on Ari that game. Mm -hmm. Like, I just... No, no, this is, I was about to say, like, I, I don't want to take anything away from Niski because Niski had great games. Abadaga, I mean... If we say there were some not like Abadagi like approved lane. flashes in there, you get what I mean? <laughs> nah, this guy, like this series, oh my god, like he was so like the one thing I'll say for Abadagi, which is like a good thing, but also a bad thing in a way which I think he doesn't understand. And this is something like if I had a conversation with him, I would like this would be like the one thing I would impart on him because I think it's something that a lot of players go through actually. It's like when you do have a big weakness or you're just not playing well in a given series or whatever you are not necessarily being a good teammate by playing unbelievably passively, letting the enemy layer accrue a gold lead rather than like just getting solo killed or something. This guy lost four plates in lane. He was nearly 2k gold down individually and he was two, but his scoreline was like 200 or whatever. It's like, dude, you may as well have just contested the wave and got solo killed three times. You'd actually, there would be less of a gold discrepancy if that had happened, assuming that the timings were right on the wave yeah. or whatever. Yeah, like, I say, yeah. But yeah, like, it, it, you're not being like, you're not losing gracefully. Like, people always talk about like Oddo or like other players who are like masters of losing lane gracefully if they're in a bad match. He is yep. the opposite of that. He'll lose lane and he won't die or anything. Like, he'll, he'll not do like a one specific individually horrendous mistake. But his laning is so weak in certain matchups that it's it is like you just got solo killed like three times. So I think he needs to be well. For, to be honest, he needs a laning coach really. But that aside, like he needs to just be more confident and aggressive, like on stage. I think when it comes to this kind of stuff, because he does play out in certain games, like certain aspects of the game, certain team fights, really well sometimes. Like he has lots of good qualities, but. I think he doesn't realize that he is kind of solo losing games slash solo allowing the enemy team to be in games by his ridiculous levels of passivity. As, as a mid laner, you are not allowed to be non-impactful. Not in yeah. this matter. Yeah, no. I, I, but yeah, so Nymera, what, what's, what's your... Yeah. I mean, uh, Kira seems like he, he's leaning towards mad, I guess, for this one. Yeah, I am. What do you think, um... uh, Nymera? So this is kind of a non-point because you could say this about many series, but I think whoever wins game one wins the series. I think that both of these teams, I think Mad Lions more than Fnatic at this point, looking at the way that Elioi is playing, I think they're pretty close to like mental booming. Um, which we've known Elioi to occasionally do. There was that one world where like he'd only play Hackrim in drafts, which weren't like great for Hackrim. And th there were a couple of times like that where um, he definitely wasn't helping the team because it felt like he kind of got trapped in his own head and then got a bit, bit spirally with, 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 with um, kind of gameplay. I am a little bit, well, I mean, in both ways, it's a good thing and a bad thing that we have this jungle matchup now, but we have, you know, Razzle versus Elio, but both of them were off the boil in their last series because that was my big point against, against the SK series, right, from um, from Fnatic. So I think... Off the prior. 
Yeah, I, I think that when you're looking at now like laning prior into then helping your junglers or then junglers kind of having a good game to regain their footing, I think that's probably the end goal for both of these teams. And then, yeah, we kind of go down the lanes versus lanes and we try and look at, okay, who's been getting the most value in lane and in team fights? What are the mitigating factors for that? Is Nissi going to be fine in lane or was that just an Abadaga thing? Um, the more so many I... unknowns, I think. It, yeah, it's quite... Fnatic it's... could evolve as a team and there's prior could completely yeah. change into Mad Lions. Another thing is, is like, there are so many things that were going on in like Mad Lions mm. that look like anomalies to me that I could see like there is going to be very different teams, even though it's a short window period, that are going to play each other in the lower bracket. I think, I, I think if it was a best of five, I'd go to Mad Lions because I think they could probably like turn it around after two losses. I think a single loss to them, and I think it's fairly likely with the form that they were playing on. Just if again, junglers are so important to teams in EU. They are in general, but I think that when EU oh. junglers are off the boil, it's it's the region where it short shoves at the most. We saw what happened with SK and Markoon when he's not playing well. We're always talking about Razork. Elio has always been the core of Mad Lions. Let's be honest. Um, Malrang for Koi, similar kind of thing. Like he is this utter dead weight when he's off the boil. Um, I think Fnatic take this because I don't know whether if Mad Lions like don't hit the ground running, I I think they really do fall apart if if Elioi is really a part of that problem. Um, I don't know that's a little bit like a bit more vague as well because it's less about like the individual matchup. But I think just on a mentality thing, Mad Lions have typically fallen apart when things start going badly. Um, especially in like when it's Elioi centric to them. So we've been here before, by the way. That's exact same time period. Oh, that's true. That's Fnatic, God damn it! You're true. God damn it! Don't say that. That's really fin- annoying. You're uh, right. Uh, uh, it's, it's like that fucking Halo Wars fucking theme tune for Halo Wars <laughs> Two. Like I know you, right? And it's fucking. Uh, and literally, it came down to a fucking ball here and Reckless just losing his mind, right? Are we going oh, to get the right, same yes. thing? But, I don't, like, I always say, judge the game on what you've, like, judge the game and on as much of your analysis on what you've most recently seen and, pa- and mm. patterns you've seen before. And the patterns in recency suits, like, Mad Lions. Like, they're, they're playing to, like, a better standard. What that better standard is? I'm, I mean, they did, lo- they did lose like seven games in a row, aren't they? On a seven-game oh, loss. Say, yeah, in fact, I know that because I've been quote retweeting a tweet of mine for forever, where they've gone zero seven since they stopped posting Kazi's fanfic. Like, I don't know what <laughs> occult shits happened here, but like, there's something I'm going on. I'm all in. In the magic. So if you see some like questionable posts made by Madline social media, that's it. They're back, man. Uh, I'm 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 on Fnatic actually. Like I mean, I kind of agree with your point, Kira, but I have a different conclusion. I I I mean, I know that in league you can definitely play well and lose, and you can play uh, yeah. yeah, you can play badly and win for sure. But um, I do feel like there were periods of the regular. I mean, the most regular season, Fnatic looked like the second best team in Europe. Yeah, and, they, they did. And they've they lost did. to a team who they lost to in the regular season. One of the two teams that lost to in the regular season. Yeah. So, so I don't know, like. Yeah, I'm 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 going fanatic. I think it'll actually be two zero. Uh, Same. I also think that I do think, even though this is not Trimby's meta, I think Fnatic's bot lane is performing so much better on aggregate than the their bot really? lane. Yeah, I do. Yeah, Ooh. I don't buy into this bullshit of like 
Reckless was super secretly playing really well and he was just being griefed by Advia. Oh, I sorry, I thought you meant in comparison to Mad Lion. Oh, no, 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 sorry, oh. sorry. Like, I, I, I think that narrative's complete bullshit. I don't think Reckless was playing well. I don't think Abbey was playing well. I think he both... was okay. Reckless was fine. I don't think he was like great. I think but... the, the, the stuff that was put held against him, like being miles away from fights and stuff, I think was really overstated. I think that was his teammates also griefing him on occasion, but sometimes it was... him being slow. But this is, but that reminds me of what happened in like the GT Reckless roster where like they're just disconnected. Yeah. And now it's happened enough. It's happened enough that I think it's a trend. So I'm I'm wondering whether you can attribute part of that to Reckless. Oh, for sure. Fight, so, I just don't. Yeah. I I didn't like the whole of the blame being put on him because I could pick oh, out sure. yeah. I could pick out objective fights where I'm like, no, the team should never engage there while he's hitting fucking mm. wolves or whatever. Like, so that was definitely happening. But yeah, for sure. But no, I think I think Noah and Avian like. Yeah, I, I just think overall, if you take their body of work, recent body of work, I trust Fnatic way more. Yes, it is very contingent on Razork, but Mad Success is also very contingent on Alyoya. So, yeah, I, I I'll go I'll go with Fnatic on that one. I, I can't believe I've actually taken Mad Lions here. What a <laughs> well, fucking also I, the, the the mental thing that Nymera was talking about. I also give a little bit more credence because of the way they lost to XL. It's not like it, it was, was some super, super stomp or something, but it was like they just didn't look like a good team and they probably, in their heads, I think they probably felt they lost to a not particularly good team. So it's like, I don't feel like they have reasons to feel super confident that they're now going to beat Fnatic, who, if you'd ask them to pick <clears> ahead of time, they'd have much rather played XL than Fnatic, right? So, yeah, I, I, I don't think their confidence is going to be sky high. Um, right, moving on to Koi versus Heretics. One thing, by the way, I'll say, which I think is really interesting, is because of how small the sample size is of regular season, you really don't have a particularly good grasp for how good these teams actually are, like, versus each other. Like, all these series, I feel, like, we're going to talk about BDSSK as well. Like, how the fuck do you pick these series, man, on such small sample size? Um, but yeah, so Koi versus Heretics. Uh, yeah, interesting one. Obviously, Koi... Uh, I mean, let's be the, the G two series was fucking embarrassing, principally because G two were playing. Heretics. Yeah, Koi versus Heretics. Is that not yes, the, the Koi versus oh, G two? Oh yeah, sorry, one. that's the loser bracket. Yes. Sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, on uh, the Koi versus G. I mean, G two were playing it like uh, a scrim, like they were playing against children, and that they could just win. With... I mean, <clears throat> what they were doing topside was horrendous. Like G2, it was fucking awful. Just in play after in play. No, it was. It was super no, disrespectful. No. But they no, they just that, knew they were that much better. But that's not even the biggest defender in my in my opinion. But we'll get to it. Sorry. But yeah. So no, my my sort of main point here is like, what a difference a fucking year makes, right? I mean, last summer, Rogue was smashing G2's face three zero in summer finals, and now <laughs> G2 feels so comfortable playing against this team, they will treat it like a throwaway scrim. Um, so yeah, Koi obviously not looking too shit hot. Uh, Heretics, a, a very, very strange, weird team to to read and judge. I feel like there's a touch of Jekyll and Hyde about them as well. So yeah, this I think this is a really interesting one. Nymera, where do your instincts take you on this one? Koi versus Heretics. I think this is like a super fun series actually it's, it's super fun and like honestly we could because these are two of the like you said can like the hardest teams to kind of like really figure out what they're doing we could talk for a very long time to figure out that, about things like this because um i think when you talk about heretics 
you have to kind of start with the fact that they approach the game in quite a different way to other teams, and that has some serious cons and some serious pros at the same time. Because they're playing through two very, very hyper-carry mid-bot lane carries. They're trying to play the double AD carry with mixed damage, and then like Kaiser going between the two lanes as well. But what that means is that you are never getting resources moving from those lanes, which means that other teams which then draft appropriately into them and win one early fight, it snowballs to absolute hell, and it really falls away from them. Um, good thing is, you've got a player like Vito who's really good with loads of resources, so if Vito ever gets an individual lead, he's pretty good at playing through that. I don't think he's great if he doesn't get resources, or if he falls behind, we see what happens to him, but you see the payoffs there, right? Um, the, the problem is when you have a team, so, so BDS figured this out right against Heretics, where if you have a snowball top lane matchup and they get like one kill there, resources are on the whole, in regular season anyway, we saw a little bit of Yankos there, resources are not going topside. Ever. Ooh. Like ever. Ooh, I, I, I can miss that. I think Yankos over-prioritized top in the that, series of okay. So yeah. that's the overcorrection, right? Because Yankos is now putting everything into stopping that first play going wrong in topside. But even then, so I think... In the whole, on the whole in Global League of Legends, early game macro comes from jungle and support. Not for Heretics. Mercer is not part of those early game plays, and he hasn't really been in his career either. He's, he does lock in a lot of stuff like Nautilus and just tries to fight, force lane fights to kind of make up for this, right? Where he's like, I'll play around like 2v2s or like comboing around the bot river fights. He is never going anywhere else on the map, on the whole. Okay, especially compared to, I mean, EU supports aren't really roaming towards topside anyway, but I think BDS, they did that once or twice versus Heretics. And that's where the problems still show up again, because while Yankos is now over-prioritizing top, you're not getting the same advantages through mid and bot, and also Mercer's never coming to, like, overload the play on the right timings around topside for that to happen. So I think there's a big problem with if you're playing against a team which can actually snowball through top, that's a bit of an issue. And I do think that Segenda has the champion pool and, and currently the, the laning strength to make that an issue for Heretics. The question is whether Heretics have adapted once again, because on the whole, I think Heretics have been pretty good at taking taking stuff from defeats and then adapting to that. Um, on the whole, it's still a little bit imprecise. For me, I think that's going to be an issue, though, because I think Segenda can probably just get solo winning advantages through topside. We saw that, I think, before in one of the games in regular season this year. So where are you leaning, Nymera? What, what's your feel overall? I think it's... I think it's another 2-1. I think it's Decoy, because I think Heretics have enough varied strategies to catch them blindsided in one thing. I do think that Heretics, when they have these quite intricate early game plans, where like Yankos will do something weird around topside, or they'll try and snowball one of their lanes, um, they just make that one key mistake, which then the whole game falls apart through it. And I think that they'll do it well in one game. I think the other two, I think Koi will just slap them with lane leads, and then Ebby's going to fall behind, you know, 6,000 gold, because mm. he just gives up on his lane and goes elsewhere. Um, I love the guy to bits, but that's the playstyle which Heretics do. There's like, if once Heavy's behind, he's out of the game, man. So I think Koi will probably probably have like a really large advantage on top side, and it's going to run away with it. Just Segenda's going to pick something like, I don't know, Gnar and just solo kill Ebby, you know, a dozen times. So Yeah, I Sometimes. think uh, people like, because, you know, again, it would be conventional wisdom to be like, oh, well, you know, an area there's a huge advantage for heretics is jungle but then again yankos is one of his worst ever career bo5s was actually playing into maorang uh again last summer where maorang diffed him essentially yeah. so yeah kira what what do you think about this matchup one thing i'd like to highlight again and particularly in the g2 matchup just to contest it slightly how often do you get larson and tristana leaping into the middle of team fights and suiciding not often. Don't know why he was doing it, but it was. 
Cop was also doing a bit of suicide then. I've never seen... I thought, like, Kurt Larson thought back to the good old days of Corky packaging and mm. the enemy fountain, and he was like, I need oh. another highlight. I need another highlight reel. This time he decided to do it on Tristana. But I'll digress. I think when when Rogue had... the Rogue, sorry. Koi had leads. They played out the leads, like, terrible. They are so bad at playing the map compared to G2. G2 are so much better. They're so much better in draft. They are just a better team. But I think... Koi could have given a much better showing, and it was basically there. And basically, all it had is like you had to just take Larson's like W key away from him on Tristana. But anyway, I'll digress. Holy fucking shit! Did Yankos and Evi, 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 um, did they play like shit? Did they play like shit round top side? Like I think Yankos was actually like everyone like memes on his uh, Nedley for having like bad mechanics. Like, he had some Sej- bad decision-making moments, really. Like, and Sejuani was shit. Like, you're playing out the top skirmish against Adam and they trade the kill. Him and Adam are both walking away to try and dodge the... Um, oh, that was so painful to watch. Oh they're trying God, to dodge the, so They're bad. both trying to dodge the Renekton lifesteal. So they're both, like, walking. So, like, Yankos is walking here and Evi's walking this way. And, like, Adam just, like, walks the... Oh, oh it's so painful to watch. Uh, but anyway, as... That version of Heretic that is willing to just dump huge amounts of uh, resources to like save topside, I don't think they've got any chance of beating Koi. The only chance I think they have is if Yankos and Vithio can basically find ways to get lots of like resources onto Vithio and Vithio front runs the game. But that Larson's such a hellish matchup for Vithio, man. Like. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's, it's, solid. Such, it's such a... Like, the fucking bands that you've got to put through to get video on a simultaneous scaling pick that he can play that isn't going to get dog-munched and lame by Larson. And even as bad a fucking player as Malring is, like, I, like Heretics have to identify, like, the win condition. And bot lane isn't... As, on you go. I know you want to so, so, so that there is, yeah, in terms of identifying the win condition, this is a huge issue I have with Heretics and with the entirety of Europe. I'm trying to remember if it was game two or three with the Tristana mid that um, BTO had. Um, I think it was game three, because I remember it being on blue side. Yeah, so they get first Herald. This is a Tristana Ziggs meta, right? We're seeing loads of Tristana, loads of Ziggs, and this is the Trist mid. That is the most insane early game push you can get. And if you can get like five plates for one thing. And if you ever get a chance to throw it in mid and a bomb at the same time, mid lane becomes such a like crazy uh, dearth of pressure that you can never bail yourself out of that. Heretics don't get to put the first Herald down. It gets executed in the weirdest of scenarios. They put it down mid and it gets killed before it hits the tower. Like you can't, that is unacceptable at a top level of play because that was the kind of play which it would have absolutely allowed them to run away with the game. They lose that, they're very imprecise about it. And in terms of identifying and actually playing through the win conditions, I think Heretics and the entirety of Europe besides G2 have had some big issues with this where you've got something like the Tristan, you've got the Herald push and you've won that Herald. Awesome, cool. You win the Herald fight, that should be your go buttons for like snowballing the game. And they still can't play through it because they're not precise enough. That is a huge issue for me. And I know we talked about that a little bit with like Koi in the mid game where they're not playing the map very well. But at least when they have an individual laning lead, that will still start ticking up and stuff like that. I think when Heretics make the big power plays, they're really fumbling that. And that's what's holding them back from... I mean, we've seen the potential in this team where they've had a clean a snowball. What if they, if all of the games are like that, they probably would be top four. But because they're um, imprecise in the way they're playing through these 
big power plays, I cannot in good faith say that they can reach that level. Not consistently. But here, here's the thing. They actually got given the bag. I think in game one and two, they're in winning positions. Even as far yeah. behind in lanes that they are, they just have to avoid that mid-skirmish where Labrov hits the massive Arello. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and everyone forget you could talk about the map, like playing to sides. If fucking four people get insta killed at Drake, and like fucking three kills go on a Jace. Flacket's like, positioning was also not it that game yeah, on Seraphine. Yeah, but like that, that's the game's fucked. Like yeah, the other people have to be mm. morons to fucking lose that game, man. Like Jesus Christ, like what what version of League of Legends are we playing? Like that was the worst possible outcome of that play. I don't even think anyone on. And the worst thing is, I don't think anyone in BDS dies. And so then they instantly spread out and all three lanes are then pushing back into your respawn timers and you lose the most amount of gold possible. It's like, you, you, there's like an L, a massive L coming at you from the sky and you fucking enlarge it by like three times because you want to catch a bigger L. It was worse like, than that, by the way. Didn't they lose all three? Oh. Ah, uh, my camera's died. Ah. Uh. Is that going to change what the name which is put under? Am I now Kira? You are now Kira, yes. And I'm, I'm not, not sure lie. I can pull off a convincing Scottish accent. I I'm not going to change but... it in post, so let's hope he gets back <laughs> soon. But yeah, uh, I think it was actually worse than that, though. I think they lost all three outer towers. Yeah. Or they, they lost at least two of the three, like all off that play. And I also just find that whole... I don't know, it was kind of like with the play when XL were playing SK, where they all stacked up by the tower and then they stacked limit yeah. Rakan on Otto's. It's like you it's just I don't know what I don't know what else I can call it other than just a lack of concentration. Like there's no way you should ever yeah. be stacked like that. And and also I think particularly in regards to heretics, their plan B has been very poor um on the whole, where if they lose a play, it all collapses. Sometimes they will double down on losing play as well. Um, and that's all over the place, really. There was one of the games where I think like there was the awkward Ebby teleport just when they got that kill bot lane, uh, but they'd wasted the Zig Zigzults. They didn't have any damage for that play as well. Um, so there were a couple of times like that where you definitely get that feeling where, much like you were saying in the other games as well, where like the plan B and just understanding what can go wrong and not being able to catch the fall is, is again, a bit of an issue for a couple of these teams. Yeah. So you guys are both going with a Koi win in this one. Like. It's it's a variable matchup. There is every chance that Heretics have reviewed really well. They they have like some set plays and some set compositions which will like take Koi on like unawares because I don't think they're the best team at like adapting in game. I think if you slap them with something weird, sometimes they they're not great at responding to that. Um, so there's a chance that happens, but as it stands with the last games Ooh. that we've seen, I I can't really give it to Heretics as much as I'd like to. I'd like to see the team succeed for my boy Ebby, but um. I don't think it's likely. Yes, Mr. One more thing. One more thing to say, right? About as we have now entered, flacked as just a normal player territory, where he is not like producing like tangible like lane advantages. You know, we have like the versions of flacked where he's playing like Drev. He's doing his like Hansama cosplay, and he was producing like Draven advantages and like lanes and stuff. It turns out like once you have like flat onto like just regular old like ADCs and he just has to execute like the game. Um his like like as I said, his like um his Ziggs and his surfing game. His surfing game he like played like shit, but I liked the idea like that in draft and then the like, his game. I like the yeah, Ziggs was good, right? That's really scary to me that like it looks to me like Heretics was like, yeah, we are not playing the ADCs 
Like, just, oh, well, you know, I, I do think that on the current pouch, having AP, uh, particularly the Ziggs yeah, bot, but strength. also AP because it's good. I like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah it has a strength, but like, the, it's the fact that like, the like, you know, what I mean, there was like the what the game we did say it in, it was like, uh, I don't know. I think I think Flax played quite well over all this split. The Seraphine like, was bad. I think yeah. the other uh, like, Ooh. so I think in the series they had against BDS, the Ziggs game was good. Seraphine didn't play great and then when you're playing so Aphelios's worst lane matchup right now is Varus. Varus, yeah, Varus is, expect, is, yeah. is expected to get like a 20 to 30 CS lead and take plates. It's really hard and actually. And Blonia cleanse on like... Exactly, yeah. yeah. So so you don't really get to play that game unless the game snowballs elsewhere. For me, I don't... So I don't think that that game was on flag. And I think so then you've got like one game good, one game bad, one game draft, which but is a fairly even spread. he's not the lane advantage um, at my point. So and, and, that, and that's a, a change in... So it, which... Which is then the follow-on, which is Heretics have played through Hyper Snowball, heavy resources, mid-bot. They are always going to be in lane, getting farm and getting stuff to them. You know that VTO is never teleporting anywhere else. Flacket is just always going to be on around bot side as well. And they want to leave him there for the Herald rotations as well, if they can, if, if it's all possible. If they suddenly change tack and they're saying we're not putting resources towards Flacket, we're now going to see a different version of Heretics, which is, I guess, what you're going on to say next, which is we're seeing like a switch up in style. And they've already shown they're not very good around playing top side, so that doesn't bode well for them. So, yeah. Before we uh, move on from this matchup, we do have to ask you about Mr. Ebby Nymera. And I'll be nice. I'm not going to, you know, say uh, anything too negatively weighted. But I will just ask this. If you were the coach of this team, what what would your plan be for him going into this series? What would you put Ebby on? How do you play around the Ebby situation, let's say? Um, Let him play Nark? I mean, Ebby's not, I, we've not seen Nar this year from him, which is crazy yeah. because he was yeah, always the, the Nar player, Renekton Nar. That's that's yeah. one point. So um, straight up, obviously, Ebby's one of my favorite players. I covered him for a great many years in the LGL. You know, I've, I've, there's a lot of like emotive reasons I want to support this guy in his career. First Japanese player in a major region, stuff like that. I don't think he's playing well. Like straight up, I don't think he's playing well. There is the other side of this to say, I think that some people are going way too overboard with this and attributing either stylistic issues within Heretics making his losses look worse, or other players like just not giving any kind of attention towards topside, particularly VTO in some times where he's a stayed in lane where maybe he could have roamed up to a skirmish once or twice where it's kind of thrown him under the bus. So there are a couple of mitigating factors, but I still don't think he's playing well. Um, in regards to what you do with the Ebby thing in this matchup, I don't know if it's an Ebby thing, because I wonder if it is about like trying to get Jankos there on a better timing than he's done recently. I don't think Jankos has had the best timings towards topside, and I don't think either of them executed well around topside. I don't think the Renekton's an issue. I think Renekton's been fine for him on the whole. I think Nara's probably not a bad idea. fucking shit right now as well. Yeah, it's definitely not helping. And you know that you're realistically never getting Vito or Mercer helping towards topside in the way that some other teams would do towards topside. What you're really looking to do, I think what you have to do is make sure you counterpick a safe matchup towards topside because I think the problem is Heretics have looked really vulnerable when you have a blind pick from Ebi and a snowball top lane matchup, which wouldn't work against another team because they'll have the tools to like stop a Darius popping off or stop a, you know, whatever, a, a counter pick matchup going crazy. Gwen has been another one, which typically he's picked like Cassanti or Cyan into it and Gwen is an unplayable matchup. You snowball again through that lane and they just lose. So I think what you need to do is either make sure you, you have a really good read on what's happening with the counter picks available to a blind pick. So like you pick top lane on third on either side and then you ban out, double ban the, the, the bad the bad matchups like a Gwen if you picked a Sion or Crescente or something like that. Or you pick a later draft top lane and just make sure that it is stable. Because I think the way that the blueprint to be Heretics right now 
stability across the board, have a flip match up top side where you put more resources into into top lane than the enemy does because heretics aren't going to bring up their mid and support like some teams will do. And that's that's your best chance. Um, is that achievable? It's quite hard right now because a lot of the time your later picks and draft are for bot lane, which is not what we've seen the rest of the year. We'd see like Lucian Nami insta lock-ins, Zyra Khan insta lock-ins, Zeri, stuff like this. Typically, we're seeing bot laners and supports picked later into the draft, and if you then have to reserve that for a top lane counter pick just to be stable, that will affect Heretic's whole game plan, which is an issue. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah. Thanks we're for all... coming to my, my TED talk. Yeah. I, I think we're all <laughs> sort of three for three, I guess, on the... the I think the an just as a little note, I actually think the answer for a lot of EU teams, I say it all the time, is GP. I think the answer is in GP. No joke. I still think that Europe is underutilizing this. I'm not sure I want to see Ebby like play GP. I'm not going to lie, but he's I never can, been uh... a GP player, honestly. In fact, the the one GP player in Japan is a guy called Atherman who's now retired, so he's gone. I'm just um, saying, uh, in general, I don't know. If, I, I I can't remember watching that many. Oh, by the way, you, you know games. that since Ebby left DFM in Japan, Utapon is now their top laner. Yeah, so he's no. gone back to me. Turns out the DFM had the two top. Not just the best top laner in Japan, but the two best top laners in Japan. So they stopped any of the, the other teams having them. Even so wasn't even the best team. top laner on his team. I guess not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably still isn't, I'd imagine. <laughs> like to see Yankos play GP, who knows? Uh, anyway, moving on to the upper bracket match between G2 and XL. As I said at the top of the show, it does seem like a tall order for any team in Europe, really, to contend with this G2 lineup. But, you know, it's our job to sort of look at the possible win conditions. Uh, I would say, for me, it's kind of difficult here to really identify too much. But I'll start with you, Nymera. Where, how do you see this series looking? And, yeah, what, what do you think XL would need to do to have a decent chance in this series? Um... So getting on to what they can do later, because I think that's almost secondary, sadly, I think they have to rely on G2 coming in with a bad read, um, because, which is a very tall order, because it feels like the best way that XL can hope to win this is that G2, as a polar opposite to what they've done in their series before, they pick some different stuff and they have the bad read on it. They had that with... Jarvan I mean, support. Yeah, Jarvan support. I mean, that can be good in some matters, don't get me wrong. No, but I'm like, just saying, it, like, they need that um, level of, like... I mean... Jarvan Callista has always been fun, but I mean, it was like Broken Blade had the Pantheon top games or whatever last year or, or sometime earlier this year, right? Um, and that was a bad read, and they said that in the post-game interviews. We're like, yeah, we had the bad read on that um, at different points. You're really hoping that G2, they, they burn the cooking a little bit, because what I would really like to praise G2 for, as a this is a really good comparison to the point about, say, the Tristana Herald stuff earlier on we talked about in the Heretics thing, but it's an EU-wide thing, where it feels like a lot of EU teams don't have, they, they pick a champion because they, they they've, it's worked well in the scrims or whatever and it's good good in lane or something like that but they, they kind of like freeform it in mid game and they don't really know all of the um like the game plan which goes with it i think you two do have game plans with every single weird pick that they have and i know that caps is talking about that oh, no it was a uh, roman i think talking about caps picking weird shit and stuff like that in one of the interviews earlier this year it's like look when we when we do spitball an idea we make sure we have a whole game plan to go with it rather than just relying on this one single interaction or something like that so first point about this matchup is g2 needs to have a like we're not going to go for, for the scaling because they're just going to win every lane and again we've got this fucking horror lane in mid as a matchup as well which is to my mind like caps isn't exactly like the best laner or anything but i do think 
Abadag laning is a huge weakness, and I do worry that if they don't go yeah. for some lane priorities, then they're going to be in serious trouble. Like, you can't just, just play do... like Lissandra Lee Sin or something like that. Yeah. It's just like call Peach to your lane and absolutely dumpster them. Also, you cannot give up Callista. If you give up Callista, the series is done. And the problem with this is that you're not going to take it away because Patrick historically never was the best Callista. So unless you're going to like contest that pick, I think that's going to be an issue to you because if you can play Callista right now and you play it well through lane, it's fairly hard to play through, but Hans Summer is a very good Callista, so good luck, effectively. <laughs> yeah. So our mistake, Rich, was the LEC not naming every split Summer. So because that seems to be the only split Patrick can be good in. There you go. I said it. If it's named Summer, Patrick's all of a sudden a fucking stud. If it's not named Summer, fucking. It's because it's it. you know it's it's contract time coming up every summer, isn't it? You know, so you have got to be like, oh shit, and I might it... not be in the league unless I actually wake up. I think this is what just so, watch fucking Excel win this matchup. That, that's this a, is matchup this is a freebie for your next like what, would you rather question, Rich, which is you have a Groundhog Day of one split of League of Legends, which just plays on repeat for forever. Which split are you choosing? That's that's one. Which summer split are you choosing for Patrick? <laughs> oh, which summer split for Patrick? I would say 2014 OGN. By the way, with, with the oh, Callista thing, LPL 2017 summer. There you go. That's the other one. Yeah. With with the uh, Callista thing, I would not be amazed if XL played it purely because of how the dynamic has kind of shifted a bit since like limits Ooh. become established on the team and the way they call. If fights. they do, it's good for them. But, it's yeah. like. I mean, I don't know if you saw it just in the, the, the mic check stuff or whatever, but even when he's dead, and I mean, you could argue that that's a better time to do it, but Limit's like calling a lot of like the engages and stuff, even when he's dead. Like he's caught doing a lot of the fight calling. And I feel like Patrick is like your classic, I am not a League of Legends player. I am an AD carry player. He doesn't really talk. He's not like a macro guy. He's not, he, he I play AD carry. I sit at the back of fights. We go back to front, whatever. That's him, right? But Limit, I feel like, is someone who, if you pair a Callista with him, Limit, in essence, could make a lot of plays doing that, potentially. But so you I'd be want, interested. You want Hansama playing... So you want Hansama to play the Callista, if he's going to, because it's Patrick's best way of getting the matchup, because he can play Ash. Because Patrick mm. has, got, has been playing Ash, right? But you do not want to play into Hansama's Ash as Callista. You are, I do not believe you, you are going to win that. That is just hell on earth. Well, then there's the problem of um, Hansama has won, well, he's won the other side of that matchup. He's won Callista into Ash, right? Yeah, he but did that's that recently. Hansama. You're not that yeah, guy. But, 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 and that's the problem. You're not that guy. So if these are going to be the contested picks of like Ash and Callista, you're losing both sides of that matchup. Yeah, but um, I think there's a higher chance Patrick wins the Ash side. Like, it's easier for Hansama to, Hans to fumble. It's easier for Hansama okay, to you fumble know the, the Callista side of that matchup and you win on the Ash because it's already winning in content and like okay so so this might be this might be something that they go for so um take a leaf out of cloud nine 2018 quarterfinals where they beat africa right and that was right. um atrox top matter and licorice in game one of the series picks hecarim into the atrox and counters it and he his team is like look we're not sure about this but play a game one let's see what happens i think maybe you have to do that in this series now as exiles to say we'll take the ash into the callista we know that they like to pick it. Let's see if we can force them, bait them into picking it, and we win that side of the matchup. Then they'll be afraid to pick that again. That's what may, that's yeah. maybe something they can uh, do to win it from draft because but, it's really, really hard. But uh, I think against G2, you need that sort of draft advantage, and that's not easy to come by. You're probably going to have to just throw one game to the wind and hope it sticks. 
But the, the thing, this is the problem. I, obviously, I'm really heavy G2. The reason is, is if Hans Hammers on Ash, how, like, let's just say, live in the hypothetical, okay? Like, that he's playing the Ash. He might not. He, who fucking knows what he's going to play? But let's just say, live in the hypothetical, that Hans Hammer is playing Ash, right? You have now got unconditional, like, low cooldown. It's not that low, but within the idea of summoner spells, it is engage until like midsection to like blow open and g2 have a much much better understanding of groupings and uh, getting advantages through midsection than you do as like xl right the bet the person who has the best understanding of like grouping from mid on xl is odo amne which is just fucking an awful thing in context if it, when it, in any team where it's not your jungler you're fucked and i don't think peach is like a very good player i think he's like pretty fucking shit right this, all these matchups are hellish because Abadage is like just a worse version of Caps. Like, just in almost every single way, just a worse version of Caps. The bot lanes are just like. I would G argue worse version of Larson because he doesn't play that many interactive champions, but. but I mean, <laughs> like, I don't see what version of like Abadage we have that's like at any point if I create like scenarios, he's going to like play them out better than Caps. Like, you're literally as XL hoping the G2 face check you like they did BDS, right? Yeah, a bunch of early game kills, like they're all on, and you make like a certain lane, like matchup, super untenable early on. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, G uh what's it called? Uh, Odoam, they get Rumble, and G2, like, deprioritize them. They don't get enough of an advantage bot lane, and all of a sudden, Odoam, they can ult people and just destroy backline um, and just beat G2 with math. You know what I mean? Every group's dragon situation, he, equali he equalizers them, back lane dis disappears. That's, like, the ideal situation. In a best of one. <laughs> I don't think G2 are not going to let Odo get That's three the thing. games. You've got to do something that wins you three the, games. The, yeah, this is the hell matchup. You need to find, yeah. like, three unique, like, winning strategies against, like, G2, and you then can't give them, like, what? certain strategies. Or do you? Or do you? Like, because I, I, I'm kind of with Nymera in that I feel like from two aspects. One, I feel like game one should be a complete caution to the wind game where if it goes your way, you've created the chaos in the opponent's minds of like, holy shit, were they actually good? Yep. Or did they just like do something weird and we fumbled or whatever? And then their whole, the whole draft dynamic has changed. But also XL should view the series from this point as well. Because basically XL have two series to make it to summer finals, right? Even if they lose this, they have another chance to play a best of five. And then it's all on that. So and considering if they win one of them, they're in these that they're in the like the yes. season finals. Yes, right, exactly. Well. Yeah. So they need. Uh, so they basically the G two game is kind of a throwaway in a sense, where it's like you're so heavily underdogged, you might as well go for something really bold. That's and even if it fails, it'll probably help. Whatever you did or tried will probably help you in the next match. I agree. So yeah. I feel like they should definitely do something which is like just complete i don't want to say like off meta or cheesy but something which is like a fairly extreme but explore the counterpicks strategy. yeah explore the yeah. counterpicks because because even if you lose game one and that lane gives you enough information to play it later in the series that's still probably valuable considering how we view the matchup right now but here's the thing right okay xl are they going to have the ability as they come into this with the ability for the early like rel you know what i mean okay that's something you can test G2 on. How many of like G2's opening picks are you going to ban? Like obviously there's the Draven one, okay? But Patrick, the best thing that XL has is Patrick also plays Draven, right? But do you want to go down that line? Like it's a pretty binary line. Like every Draven draft 
is defined by like the outcome of like the driven game. Do you think XL are like are at a point? Here's a the thing. Here's the thing, right, Kira? I think that what G, I think XL should view it from the perspective of what we don't really care what G two pick. In a sense, See, that's, it's like no, it no, that's be like more, a, that's, but it should be more about lose. like obviously you're gonna have your pit like your target bands or whatever, but it's gonna be way more Jeff. about your own flexibility in draft than what they do. Like if oh, let's say I that, think you're trying to, I think they care about G two what they're picking in regards to can we bait them into picking something that they played a lot and then counter one of their mainstay champions. I think that's what they're caring about. Um, that'll be the way that I would approach it anyway. Like I said, like bait in like, the obvious pick, like the Callista, or if it's a Draven or whatever, and then have some kind of counter pick available, which then impacts the rest of the series. Like, for example, right, okay, ha like, we've not seen this, like, matchup played loads, but, like, the uh, one of the traditional counters to, like, Jace was, like, Lucian, right? Now, uh, Caps has thrown the dice into the pool, you know what I mean? That, like, oh, they are willing to play the skill matchup. Um, Lucian versus... Uh, Jace. Jace, right? Abadag sucks fucking balls at Jace, man. Like, and it was already not, like, good, okay? And next of all, even with Jace, to make Jace, like, effective as an ideal of the skill and pick, it can't be into Ivern because Ivern has the double shield. You have to enter Ivern's so zone of control to turn off the poke because Ivern and Braum and that are, like, the poke denier champs, right? Hansam has already shown, like, the Kai'Sa. So you, there, there's, like, versions of the game where G2 sit on, like, Jace Kai'Sa with a Ivern and just fucking poke your balls off from, like, a million miles away, right? Well, they won't get also works in place of the Ivern what? as well. They won't get okay, Kai'Sa. So they're not getting Kai'Sa. So we're now banning... Let's go through it. Draven, because we ourselves don't want to play it, and G2 will just play three games of Draven in a row if they, if, if they could. So you've, you've got to, like, throw the dice to the Draven game. So we're now banning uh, Draven, Kai'Sa, and... They're Malkai. To, but, but to Malkai, be clear, Kaiser is a ban. Like, both teams want teams Kaiser off the board. Yeah. Like, so whoever's red has to ban it. So it's obviously G2 are going to ban Kaiser as well. It's not just XL have to get rid of these picks. Like, Kaiser is just OP, right? Um, What's the thing? Whether yeah, it's the like Glister or... So that's what no, I'm no, saying. No, like, no, whether, whether, whether no, it's no, the Draven they don't or... have to just ban it, though, because G2 have the prior pick to beat Kaiser. They've illustrated the ability to beat Kaiser because they beat Crownie's Kaiser with the fucking... Oh, they'll pick it. If, if Kaiser's open, they'll pick it. Like, that's, yeah, that's brave. Like, that, that, that's what the XL want, though. That is, like, the kind of chance they want G2 to take. Give us Kaiser. He can carry the game alone on Kaiser, like, in the state Dude, that Patrick. Champion's in. Yeah, definitely. Summer Patrick no, no, with Kaiser. He's carrying that. Like, Kaisers only becomes tenable as a champ with the when the W poke is actually able to like consistently threaten like the health lines of backline uh, the the health bars of like backline champions. If you have tanky people in frontline who can like eat the poke or you don't get enough gold quickly enough, like the champion like there's a you can like, still play AD Kaiser. I don't think that's completely yeah, true. You can still play AD Kaiser, but I'm just talking in this like in this metric because poke is what's most defined within the meta. I I, I would agree with you. AD Kaiser is still like a thing, but. Uh, G2 have already, like, illustrated, right, that they have massive, like, winning lines with, like, Callista, and they have massive winning lines against, I I with Ivern, and they're willing to do, like, um, they're willing to do, like, uh, uh, uh Tristana flexes, like, threaten the <clears throat> idea of a Tristana flex, even if it's not real, right? Um, they left it on third pick on red side against BDS, like, and they just, like, kind of left it there, and then they decided not to go for it. But like it's like another like another metric you have to get. I I actually um the the guys that like XL I actually think I've got like one of the hard again I thought about this a while ago I can't remember who what was they've got one of the hardest like drafting like matrices 
ever like they've been like handed to like a team because you have narrow players and you're playing against a team that has a, like a wide scope right and the, i said this ages ago in a, a one of these shows and it was um i remember seeing a bunch of comments where people took it out of context where i was talking about how g2 could be any team in the world and a bunch of people were laughing it's like yeah it's easy to say anyone could be anyone but what i was talking about is g2 are the only eu team that actually create world level like map states and like execute on like like they give you awful fucking choices. They give you like the the bullshit pie or the fucking the the milkshake fucking shit, right? And you you have to choose one. And they are able to create those scenarios more often and more consistently than any other team. The team that beats G two the most is G two. They create these map sets and BB like overplays a situation. They truly That's are true. the OMG of EU. <laughs> yeah, like th that is the way that like so th yeah XL can win, but it's all defined by like what level of like G two like shows up <laughs> in the server, and you you're having to ask for a pretty <laughs> bad version of G two. But that brings us back to the very first thing which I mentioned on this matchup. We'll talk about what XL can do later because they've got to really hope that G2 have a really bad yeah. read on the meta, like the Pantheon series that they had like in the past or whatever. They will occasionally have a bad read on the meta. The problem is, can you double tap them in two different series to win the split? I mean, that's a completely different thing, but I mean, can they do that three times even in a series? That's going to be an issue. What, it's what, rough. It's really I'll rough. I'll ask you right now, okay. What do you think, like... Just like generally, you don't have to say a specific pack. What do you think if you looked at the going into game, like one, two, three, what are like a draft or like a, a comp that you think XL would be like, yeah, there's a chance here, they would win? I, I would just add like two caveats because obviously everything we're saying on the side of XL is cope, right? Like no, none of yeah. us expect them to win. So this is all like we're playing yeah. devil's advocate here. But I would say a couple of things. I do think that in terms of teams, XL are at the least disadvantage probably of any other team in the league, I would say, when it comes to bot lane drafting. Because Patrick does yeah, play the Draven, yes. and because of the state of Kaiser, which I do believe is viable in basically any composition at this point, Ivan or no Ivan, I think that champion is just broken. Sometimes you're playing into... There are some lanes which really hurt them still, like Varus can really hurt a Kaiser. Sure. But even I mean, then, it's you can survive well enough that it doesn't matter. I mean, Patrick and Limit, as big as an upgrade as they've been like in lane versus the disaster that was fucking... Uh, Patrick and, and Tarkmas split before. Yeah. They're still not like great in lane. So their job is just going to, again, to, you know, lose lane gracefully, essentially, like pretty much no matter what matchup. So, like, to me, that's not a win con anyway. Like, I'm not like, oh, they got a really good matchup and now I'm going to watch them shoving in Hans Sammer and Mickey under tower. Like, I don't envisage that happening in any matchup anyway. And the second We're thing. We're going to see I the Neela say, return. Neela's returning um, yeah. for Patrick. <laughs> and the second thing I would say which I do believe is true, but I still think there's a bit of a chasm, is I would actually say that XL have the second best understanding in the league of actually pure like mid-game macro. I think there was like a five-minute period in their last series where they were completely lost and people read way too much into that and were like, XL don't have a clue what to do, which is true. They didn't in that, in that five-minute period. But outside of that, in their last two series play, considering what I would honestly say is like, I don't want to be mean, but the lack of... S tier talent on the team. I think they are really well coordinated for the pieces that they have. Like I think they actually yep. have a very good understanding of objective play at this point in the split and where they should be generally on the map. And I think they have they are second only to G2 in that aspect. Having said that, I do believe that that's still a significant edge for G2. But I think that, you know, it's it it could be worse, right? It could be worse. To answer your question uh, more directly, Kira, in terms of like 
the picks that they go for. I think I'm probably on like a entirely different wavelength to both of you guys because I genuinely believe this is something that is very underutilized in uh, League of Legends as a whole, which is when you are incredibly overmatched, you should generally do pretty extreme things in draft. And I think especially in games... Exactly. You're fucking, yeah, brand support or whatever. Like I think you can, especially in a game one, I think if you go for... And what you could do, for example, is you you um, bank on them going for specific like meta power picks in certain positions or whatever, and then you just go with absolute like tailor-made perhaps non-meta but hard counter to like an individual ma- lane matchup, for example, um, which, it, again, it would be sort of like, like the brand. But, but what is the counter to... Okay. So, no, no, so Rumble's the weird one. So what I would say, yeah. like, I, would, I, would, I would pitch something like Cannon into Jax, good matchup. Mid-jungle, that's the where it gets weird. That can that can kind of go all over the place. But maybe you have something like Maokai Jace, even though Abadagos kind of like, whatever. Maybe you ban out some mid lane matchups, which are bad with that. Or you get LeBlanc. So that's obviously another option as well. Bot lane, I'd honestly be considering going for like Ash Nautilus, Ash, Ash Braum, Ash Rakan. Yeah. And yeah. then you just hope that you hope that G2, maybe you do bait them into the Clister and you can survive that because Patrick is a pretty good Ash. That's going to be the real key point of that kind of draft, where like you have like winning top, and then you have like rumble or cannon into jacks and you have maybe you get like a first pick rumble in a blue side game or something like that and then you get to have like ash arrows into rumble lots later into the game yeah that's what i'd be looking for but you're really looking to get as many like kind of pick lanes as possible you can survive through to the mid game which is the really hard part because you always have another pick under the hood but if you get a rumble like see this is my theory like when we're like zoning on something rumble is something that they XL will get if it gets to like a game five or something yeah because it will be that they've created so much chaos and doubt that then G2's draft is sufficiently adjusted that now Rumble suddenly open for like first plate blue side or something. Or It'll be something like that. Sure. They're not gonna get. They're not gonna get Rumble in game one. I doubt. Unless or, G2 or, is so disrespectful. Oh, sorry. Or BB also plays Rumble. Well, you might at this yeah. point end up with a Kaiser for Rumble trade, and then it's a question of no, which I'm, one. No, I'm you're just saying like that. Like that is not. If, if other people can like learn. Does he to play, play Rumble though? I don't oh, think so. I think I think Otto actually spoke about this on like post game interview oh, really? or something. He said there was like two players in Europe that play Rumble, and he's one of them. And I don't know mm. who the other player was that he was referencing, but I don't think it was BB. I don't think BB plays Rumble. I could be wrong, but um, it, assuming that he doesn't, um, he probably I doesn't. By B- the way, on so, so, four so games so, yeah. So, so B- BDS were banning Rumble versus Ebby, even though he's. I don't remember a game versus that, but maybe he's picked it up in scrims. The, someone like Ebby, so he had this tendency where he hadn't played a champion in two years, like there was a point in like, he'd pick a Vladimir and he hadn't played it in two years and just like have a really good game with this. There's a chance that it's Ebby. A low chance though, I'm not, I'm not sure. They stopped banning it in game three and he didn't pick it, so yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. But, um... Because, uh, just, yeah, sorry, just, so just like one more like point, because yeah, like what you're talking about there is like, yeah, that's like the fucking mecha, you know, like holy shit, like that's great. The problem is we're now getting into like okay does um like does does Peach have Ivern Prio? No, right? Okay, like XL have shown. I think I'm just checking right now in the drafts. I think XL have first rotation banned at every single game. Yes, they have. Okay, so XL have banned Ivern every single game. So we are in the world, okay, where we are banning Ivern every game, Draven every game, um, some like and plus like X, right? This is fucking like terabad ter- territory all now and so even with like what you talked about which i think is the winning line the thing that you talked about there rich where you've got like the meta picks and i just picked like this extreme hard counters to them 
that exists more for me as G2 because I have way more flexibility in bands and drafts because you're defined by like you need like these like select specific very strong champions to like win the game where you have to spend so many bands stopping me from getting mines and if you want to open them up to me I'm not even sure you like sure, win but what like, you're talking but uh, you're 100% right but at the same time in reality I don't think it's that how it that's how it plays out because the team that's expected to win is not going to go down that road. They're going to try and stick G more in the meta. Like you're not going to go yeah, wildly G2, outside of don't. the meta. Uh, well, I don't G2 think. Don't. I don't think they veer like ridiculous. Like again, to use Maybe. the Albus Knox example, they're never going to pick a. Sure, they played Jarvan support. Who's playing Lucian mid? I think Lucian. I don't think Lucian mids are out there. I think that's like a fair. I, th I know. I know no, that no, no. other like, people Nadia, aren't have playing. You seen any Lucian mid in LPL? Nope. I, no, no. I, no I, you're, well, okay. So, so put it, I mean. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I would definitely side with the fact that G2 have a lot of... I mean, they've, they've had, well, they've had some Belvest games, they right? They could even send like, that Lucian bottom, by the way, just as a little note. Like, that, yeah, that Lucian can yeah, go so, bottom. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah sure. and this is this is my problem in terms of, like, I, I think I would disagree with saying that the team that is expected to win will stick to the meta because the team is G2. I think, put it this way, I think yeah. in game one, you would expect that. I think going into, like, game twos and three... If, if oh, they lose first game, to be clear, I'm yeah. yeah, I'm only really talking about game one because, as I yeah. said, for me, like the whole premise is like to create chaos from the sort of uh, the the mistrust yeah. and this confusion base for game one. As an example, as I think you referenced before, Nymera, I would probably go Lee Sin because mm. if Peach and by the way, for people who didn't really watch ERLs, like Lee Sin is uh, Peach's wheelhouse. Like, like that is the Peach champion, and if he has a good game, you know. Uh, sort of stronger heads should prevail and being like, guys, it's really not that amazing a champion. We should be able to play around. There's a high chance they just end up having to ban it the rest of the series or thinking they have to ban it the rest of the series. So really, to me, it is so much of this is just predicated on how game one goes um, that you can sort of create a meta within yeah. the series, if you like. So I, I think the problem, the, the problem I have is that even if XL were to pull out a game one win to the extent where they've used a counter pick or, or like broken a meta champion so much in terms of like they've broken how well it should be doing or whatever, you managed to counter it so well. Maybe that's a Draven, maybe that's a Callista, like a couple of champions sort of bot lane. Yeah, there are, there are some brands which get a bit weird at that point. But I think the problem is G2 have shown that they can play multiple styles of play with multiple first picks and stuff like that. I don't think you even if game one goes the way of XL, I would still favor G2 oh, because sure, I still yeah. think that that they will probably do a heel turn and say, right, we're not picking that anymore. We're going to play through this other draft we prepped up and we'll play a Belveth game. We'll play an Ivern game or whatever and they'll change things around. I I don't think you can consistently expect G2 to pick the same but, things even when you beat them, which and, is that's and the, the problem. And the reason I'm building it up like this is to just tell, actually like try and um, extrapolate to people how big an upset I think this yes. will be if XL wins it. Like, that is what I'm... I am not joking, guys, when I say this. This is actually, like, big, like bigger than the Mad One, because Mad One's got, like, loads of, like, mad context. Um, This... If they, XL win this fucking series, it'll be one of the biggest upsets in, like, not just LEC, like, European, like, yeah. history and playoffs. Like, this is, like, one of, like, the biggest, like, David Goliath moments. Because... Yeah. Like, I am, um, like, I, put it this way, fucking props to the XL coaching staff and all the guys on the team because they have got, like, some, like, hard choices to make and I, I think, like, it's good, they're going to be really, really, really tested. And even if, see, see even if they take, like, a game or two off them, right, I'll be That'd fucking, be huge. That'd be yeah, massive. I'd be, yeah, I'd be fucking really impressed. I'd be I, like, holy I think shit, like, you've really, got it. because it's a best of five, 
I would realistically give Excel no more than like a fifteen percent chance of winning this series. If it was best oh, I think of it's three, less. yeah, no, I, I said no, no yeah. more than that. Like yeah. if, if it was a best of three, then I think there is an angle where the game one works perfectly, and then it's panic stations to a certain extent, or something like that. Like you can hypothesize like more sort of realistic paths, and I think the the sort of ratio of, of possible wins would be a lot higher. This is I, I don't think you've overstated it. I think if XL won this series, it would be fucking mental. Like consider Ooh. just also take the career paths of like the players that are on the team and where they were like most recently. Like you can always read too much into that, but these are not like new faces outside of Pete, right? Like Limit's been around forever. He was never considered like top tier. When he played with self made for that one split, he was very held in very good regard, I think, for a little bit, but Generally speaking, he's not regarded as being like, you know, top, top tier support. Patrick is always up and not down. Not sure I'd agree with that from the Vitality type. I think Vitality supports were... I was surprised he did so well in Excel. He's really jumped up a lot in my expectations, so... Yeah, no, that's what I'm That's what yeah. I'm saying. I, I think his okay, overall yeah, yeah, yeah. stock was, like, fairly low. I think people were very no, surprised yeah, okay. yes, when that he makes was sense, announced yeah. for Excel. I think Limit deserves a lot of credit. I don't think he's like a good, like really good laning support or anything like that, but I do think he offers a lot like to the team overall based on... on I mean, apart from anything else, think of the, the regard that Targamas was held in and then just look at the absolute like team change when he came in. And it wasn't just like VTO or something. Like I think most can, of that was the jungle support synergy, which just was non-existent. laugh? We take a minute everyone to laugh at me and rich the only and me and mainly the only season i did not predict xl top two because i predicted them not once but twice right yeah. people right that's how much xl stock i had and it was worth piss and i sold it all just it was like crypto you know what i mean like bought bitcoin at sixty thousand, fucking sold it at 19 like i'm that guy i'm me he's here I am now watching XL get top three. I had three. XL winning winter, I think, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, it's a I think I said it would be finals between XL and G2 because I had a lot. I had a lot of belief in G2 when some people were like a little bit iffy on them still. But uh, yeah, so we we have a we have uh, so yeah we have a limit. We I've already kind of gone through and described. We have Peach, who is a rookie who. To be honest, even in EUM was not playing his best League of Legends. Like he was very. He had good some in... okay games, but he wasn't the standout jungler at the tournament. No, no, um, he was pretty good in. <laughs> what did the shit? He was pretty... No, no, he was fine. He was, he was, he was still, okay. He was still he probably. Bad he was still series. probably the second. He was still probably the second or third best jungler at the tournament. He just like wasn't like the best. He was good, but like he. I mean, when you look at that UOL roster, you probably look towards. I guess it was Shiganari in the bot lane at that point who was doing yeah. pretty well. Um, yeah, there were like other people you had focused on mainly. So. Yeah, and you and then you go to yeah, Peach, who's a rookie, and then Abadage, who again, like we've got big sample size on this guy. Ooh. Like he's had good splits and so on, but recently he's not been very good. He now currently can't really lane, although he does have some good upside in other areas. It's like this is not a team that should be able to get a game off G2, no, like, at all. Funky thing, Ari, by the way. But yeah, one I, thing I to bring up that's suiting XL, and I forgot to say it, small studio crowds, not big events for Abadagi in playoffs. It's mm. happened again. It's happened again, people, that Abadagi's best playoff performances and the t actual times that he goes far in playoffs, he is not at, like, big stage events. It's, like, small studio But games. I will tell you this, though, which is... I think this is actually interesting, right? Because Abadage in scrims... And this is not from XL, actually. This is uh, from speaking to other teams who have scrimmed XL. 
Abadage is apparently really fucking good in scrims, like even in lane and like applying yeah, a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah no, I know, but the thing it's like that it's any stage, mate. Any stage and he shrinks. Yeah, but and... the bigger I make the stage. Like if this was in a stadium, <laughs> by the way, like no, I'm telling you. So the you, stage like, goes like this, and Abadage goes like this in tandem. It's like one of yeah, those no, uh, water serious. pump like, machines. News headlines just said XL becomes biggest proponents of moving the booths in studio. Yeah, <laughs> Nymeera was here when we were last talking about that. The last yeah. time Abadaga was like winning things in like NA. It was That's COVID a good point. Split. He was he had his run yeah, of form true. in playoffs in EU, COVID yeah. splits. He won the split in NA, COVID splits, no crowd. These like big playoffs big um are all in studio games, you know what I mean? They're like regular season like games. It's the exact same studio. Oh no, there, there, there's no con there's no conspiracy theory here. Like this at this point, yeah. this is established. It's a trend. As a thing. It's a trend. Yeah, well, you have to call it. Yeah. So I uh, here's my thing. Even with like XL maybe possibly like doing well and make because now there's like a chance they make. Did they have to win to make it to season final? No, they have they to win to either this series, two. and if they don't win this series, they then have to win their next series, and then they... Uh, so, two shots at it. Yeah. So, if XL, like, makes it, I'm telling you, like, because it's going to be a big stadium, isn't it? The big... The Montpellier is going to be... Yeah, like, what? that... Like, a stadium. This is the thing. Because that would be the way, like, this, this, this is a good point to, like, take stock of, like, well, what are the implications for top four? Who would we rather have in top four? Is XL, like, I, I probably would put XL in there right now because I don't trust any of the teams to remain stable. Like, yeah. that, that, that's something you have to keep in mind. And, and, and you've got poor Vitality sat in the back rooms going, wait, <laughs> do we have to be scrimming all this time? What do you mean? We've had, like, two months off. <laughs> Yeah, no, but that actually, because obviously, I mean, we're all going to pick uh, G2 here, I think, fairly yeah. comfortably. Yeah. But that was actually going to be my last question for you guys, which is looking at it now and taking stock of everything, which four teams do you want to make it? And when I say that, and when I say want, I guess in terms of rep who you are, who you believe will represent Europe the best. So hit me, Nymera. I think G2, I assume, is a lock for everyone. So we'll G2 put them to is one a side. lock. Um... So, in a lot of ways, fourth seed is more important than second and third because they're facing NA, NA fourth seed. And while I do think teams like BDS and Heretics very much could be in that fourth seed, I would prefer to have SK in fourth because I think they are the least exploitable team that you could send. They are, as a whole, as an EU team, which isn't the top three, they're probably the most stable and will be able to adapt fairly well for a mid-table team. So I think I'm... So I'm locking in first and fourth, because I think those are probably the most important ones. G2 first, that's a lot. No one's going to like really talk about that anymore. That, that's very obvious. SK, I'd put it fourth, because if you're going to put Heretics there, we've already talked about their like market weaknesses. Despite the fact that they do have some potential, we've seen like what they can do with really good snowball games, and Jankos when he's on his form, is, and Viti or whatever. When they have high-performing players, they are really, really on top of their game, and they can punch up really high. I also think that Heretics might lose to a fourth-place NE team, though, because yeah. they have that exploitability. And I think you could maybe argue that the same about a team like Koi as well, because their mid game is all over the place. We are getting back to rogue time somehow, some way. Um, so I think I, I think SK are my fourth. I think I probably I. <sighs> the question is then, it's like for me, it's probably between what XL, BDS, and God. Do I believe in Mad Lions, man? I'll, I'll I think... tell you who I want. <laughs> yeah. I can go quick. G2, Mad, BDS, Fnatic. Oh yeah, Fnatic's in there too. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So that's um, what I want to go. To. That's the best version of the team um, we can send to the world, in my opinion. I think I'd go G2, XL, Fnatic, SK. 
Maybe I'd, you know what, maybe I'd kick out XL for Mad Lions just because of the potential. Oh god, they've got to use that international experience for something. Well, and otherwise, we'd be into getting fested. I am uh, fucking <laughs> sick of seeing Mad at international competitions. Yeah, yeah but they're, I, they're there because they like make it. You know what I mean? They're like I that guy. I don't care. Fuck Mad Lions. I want oh. G2. Fnatic. This is not in particular order, by the way, although yeah. G2 obviously would be number one. G2, Fnatic, BDS. The reason I would definitely have BDS is because I think there was a period of time during spring, and we'll see what happens with like the rest of players no. and so on, mm. where I think their level of play was like so superior to the other teams that would be in contention. And even though they're not playing at that level necessarily right now... They were right so now, defined by like some slim champion pools, though, like particularly for like bot lane Shield. i think I, I, would, I would add this sure. as well because obviously like there's different ways you can look at it right like in terms of like what's the max ceiling versus really good teams or whatever when you brought up na teams i think there is not a chance in hell a fourth seed na team could beat bds i think there is like zero chance i think zero chance no an adam game where he teleports mad at level five malphite and walks bottom I mean, okay. That's, that's a game that but happened so, in LEC this year. They're so... Uh, like, if they play to, like, their average level, like, they are yes. so much better than every NA team, honestly. Like, I feel... or and That would be in that... That could be in that so position. So, this is going to be a hot take. The fourth seed from NA is likely to have a better top player than BDS, though. Because I think Adam no. is very exploitable when he gets a no, bad if, if, if it is, if it is licorice... If if it is Licorice or if it's Summit on potentially some... I mean, I know Impact's... Oh, I mean, FlyQuest aren't going to make it anyway. But, like, if it's Rich, Summit, or Licorice, there's a chance that Adam gets bodied by top laner Rich is fucking wank, man. And I In think NA, he's been good. But, but this is the thing. I, 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 I think there needs to be a real wake-up call for EU. There is a people real chance to... that fourth... There is a real chance that 4-seed NA knocks out 4-seed EU. There's a I'm real chance you, of people, that. We, even BDS needs to go to Worlds as other fucking nations need to be exposed to Adam's cancer. Like, I'm not joking. <laughs> other people need to... That actual experience what it's like no you people forget right this is remember people got their malrang theories right oh they've not played against malrang he'll do all this crazy zany shit right malrang was just a shit player right it's actually adam that does insane stuff do you think people are all these na teams are gonna like prep for like darius olaf Garen, yes fuck, i, I think they will be no no I mean, if they know they're playing bds year, what else do so you this is the thing worlds last no, year fanatic no, came into is, the first like, round of groups and they did went 3-0 right but then in the second round of groups in worlds last year cloud nine completely read fanatic like a book they took what it was like the um trundle on into the tank top side of yeah um, Yes, but there were yeah. multiple instances of that where I feel like EU teams they get red quite easily by any teams right now. There okay. is a, there is a decent chance yeah. that I think that to, to, slight, a team. to slightly yeah. bring it back, even if yeah. I were to because people forget like Licorice was actually shit hot last time it, it, internationally, which was really surprising to me. But he was actually really fucking good. But even that aside, like I I do genuinely believe that realistically of the the teams that are likely to be in that pool, I don't think an NA team can beat BDS. I think all those players are so. I don't. I think that. I don't. I think that the pool. I think the regular practice that a really good AD carry like Crown and he's playing better as well, right? Like Shio's playing better. Is it any any team, sorry? No. No. This will be like this will be like fourth season. So, so like, yeah. So like, like, not oh, the top. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um. I think any NA team that realistically any team that's going to find themselves in that position, I don't think they could compete with BDS. I just don't. I would um, say, but this is this is why I would say yeah. could be there. That's the problem. So I, 
Well, I have to say, this is the thing. I have the same the same kind of um, points as Rich has here, but I would just say I, my conclusion is SK rather than BDS because I think they're similarly versatile. Or no, they're similarly solid. I think SK potentially have less champion pool issues in terms of what they actually win on. Despite, like, sometimes these, you know, the BDS players can lane on them well or whatever. Adam's obviously the exception. He's got a load of weird shit. But I think that SK on the whole, I trust them more to be more stable coming into a fourth seed uh, match, I think. Oh, they'll be. So th here's my tiebreaker for this situation. I think that's true. But I think BDS mm. has the higher ceiling. So I, st I still have to project okay, into so the future. Okay, so it's a mix between the two. Okay, yeah, right, like, so if the they team. make it to Worlds, um, I would. But yeah, if, okay, if it is a BDS meta, I want BDS in top four, yes. And yeah. that, that makes sense. But I don't know if it will be. Um, because I so think I BDS go... could, in a best of one, I think mm. BDS could beat an Eastern team. I think it's theoretically possible. I don't think it's Which it. one? I don't think it... I, oh, OMG if they qualify because any team can beat OMG. <laughs> I, I really... I yeah, think that's, that, that... That's about it, yeah. I think when you have a team... I think when you have a team who have extreme, no, extreme stylistic strengths, in a BO1, they can definitely win a game. Like, yeah, sure. like, yeah, like SK are too vanilla. Like, the problem with SK is I agree with Nymera that, like, they are mm. almost like the default team in EU. Certus is, uh, he has his ups and downs, sure, but he's very solid, like realistically irrelevant, very solid. So you've got two very solid, but very unspectacular solo lanes. The weird, the, the X Factor's Makun, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Exa Kick, great AD carry, but he's not quite as, you know, again, as spectacular as like a Hans Sammer or something. Like they're a very vanilla 7 out of 10 League of Legends team. Whereas I, would I feel not like. Watch Geo or Nuke playing into any of like, the mid jungles. I mean, the, but those those are the, not the players that you're hoping to have, like the je ne sais quoi come from. Anyway, it's Adam and the bot lane. That's where yeah, you want to like, see. I feel. Those, I just feel those like those crumble more... because Europe's like they, those those like things like never like happen because Europe's understanding of how to actually move lane leads around to like top in that. Hey, look, like, man, I'm not saying they're favourites. I'm saying I think like no, it's hypothetically yeah. possible that they could win. I it, so basically the way I'm making my pick is a team that I believe first of all will get through that playoff which I believe both SK and BDS will And then a also be a good representative. And then could yeah. do something, like could get... I'll just put it this mm. way, I'll make it very simple. Even though it would be very low chance for both, BDS Im could get out of groups theoretically. I don't think you see a world where an SK... Oh, I don't think that's... Uh, no, well, not, not the new group. It's, not the new group. Oh, yes, it's no, Swiss now, isn't it? Which it's is West. different. Yeah. They, have to draw, they have to draw the like the 0.3% chance where the uh, fucking... Uh, the wild cards draw each other. The Korean and LPL teams all draw each other. And then they go 1-0 one, one, uh, against like NA team. Draw the winning NA team. Go 2-0. Sure, but we're talking, if we're talking about 3% against 0%, I'm still taking no, 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 right? It doesn't matter no, how low... No, 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 no. That's not a three percent chance to win, Rich. That's a three percent chance of the for you to get that sweat <laughs> drop. Well, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like but the point <laughs> is, so, lower floor, higher ceiling. It's not complicated, right? Yeah, and I, you hope I, they hit the I, ceiling. I definitely get that. I I think that there is a significantly higher chance than you believe that BDS would lose to NA. So for me, I would put SK's fourth due to the first. And actually, I think I'm gonna. Ch I think I would. Thinking about sadly the peach factor. I think XL don't make the cut for me as much as I was thinking about it. I don't think XL make the cut for me now. I think then I put. I actually think I put Fnatic mad. I think I put those two in. I think that just hoping from because at those point I think they have higher potential than XL because of the peach factor. Sadly, hmm, um, yeah. I think that peach and limit are doing well right now. I think internationally they're going to get absolutely blown out. I think, I think yeah, there, yeah. there is a we're, chance. There's a chance true, that mad and Fnatic can do that. I think Europe's just wasted its fucking another full fucking year again.
there's my take. I don't know. I, I think G2 I, could potentially do yeah, a little just, bit of something. It's just but G2, that, that but that's been, not a region. That, that, G2 that has, not a region, that has been the case since, like, I mean, we. I think there were some Mad Lions rosters which were pretty good. I think, like, Mad the 2020 Lions Mad Lions were good. And then could have beaten actually, EDG to, or to the point, To the point where I think that a lot of people are really, like, underrepresenting Mad Lions in terms of how well they represented Europe. Given the pools that they were given, the MSI when they were against Damwon, like the five, ga five game series against that Damwon roster was actually an incredible achievement. Like, I don't think it has just been G2. I think it is now, but it definitely mm. wasn't like, you know, like 2019 or whatever, stuff like that. But you think of like the Fnatic collapsed roster and you think of the Mad Lions thing, they're, the last couple of years have been better than some people think for EU. I think this is the real problem here for EU, where I think in other years there were mitigating factors where, you know, like the upset stuff at Worlds or um, hard group draws or Mad Lions in, in whatever situation. Um, again, hard draws and whatever. I I do think though this year you have G2 and then it's a very difficult field to pick who you want to go to Worlds because I don't know if they'll they'll get out. I don't think they'll perform well, sadly. I mean, perhaps yeah. the biggest missed opportunity in the history of EU outside of G2 sort of fumbling the bag in that FPX well final of course um because i do believe g2 were actually the better team um is rogue just deciding to oh, not yeah. sign el yoya for malrang and keep that fuck four together with el yoya i'd be excited about that team Ooh. going to fucking worlds that but would the be... problem i have with that is that el yoya needs lanes to play for him and the whole idea of that rogue roster was that those lanes are never moving from their lanes they're picking stuff which lock the enemy lane is in lane but they change I mean, pick, yeah. take, take Razork, take whoever, you, plug Razork in, maybe I'd agree, actually. plug in yeah. like Razork. top tier EU jungler for Maorang, and that roster would That's, be. You'd yeah, be I can understand excited yeah, about can two understand teams yeah. going to Worlds at that point. Um, but yeah. So anyway, I think we're. What, who are you for actually again, Kira? G2, Mad, Fnatic, BDS. Okay, so I'm the only I'm the only one who has XL Team XL. Although after what I do actually, well, I don't know why well. and why you'd want to see Peach and Abadag. Uh, I, I tell you, it, it, I'll be honest. It's more an anti-mad uh, thing, like <laughs> mate, I, Odo, which is Odo valid, valid, which is valid. Odo, Odo, Odo playing like seeing Odo play against like, the top tier talent is always fun. But like you know, like seeing Karzy Halasang a lawyer playing against like the top tier talent is fun as yeah. well. I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I, it's it's I, weird. I, I, I'm, like... I'm, I'm an EU doomer, mate. If we start talking about like fucking wait, mate, stuff. I have set sail for the LPL ship now. I have genuine claim to support LPL teams on the broadcast. So, there you go. <laughs> right, I think we will leave it there, guys. So thank yeah. you very much for watching, and uh, we will see you next time.